Hello, and welcome to the Messy Truth About Leading People podcast with Nikki Roth, Rhea Welsh, and Gavin Fensmith. Hi, Gavin. Hello, Nikki. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Yeah, feeling pretty good this week. How are you? Good. We're going to get into our framework on willingness to commit to self-development. We've already recorded one episode, uh, two episodes, actually. We recorded an episode on the framework, and we've recorded an episode on three of the eight categories, and we're going to continue that today. But just before we get into that, just anything going on in your life or your, your work where you know, you've had some insights or thoughts that might be pertinent? Yes. So it's related to this framework, actually, and that, you know, here we are in the business of helping leaders develop greater insight into how they come across and change some of their actions. Through the client work I had in the past week, I just kind of kept coming back to our basic premise at the Messy Truth Leadership, which is empathy and compassion goes a really, really, really long way. And that even in our coaching sessions with our clients, if somebody finally does open up and say something, it's our tendency, because this is just how we're wired, to say, that sounds really challenging. How do you think you want to approach that? It doesn't happen out there in the work world, though. If somebody on your yeah. team is finally, I don't know, not even says what they say in our coaching sessions, but says, I just found that project incredibly frustrating. I mean, it just, every time I took two steps forward, I felt like we took three backwards. And instead of going right to the, well, what do you think was wrong with it? And how could we fix that? All a leader needs to do is take a breath and say, yikes. So I hear your frustration. Do you want to say more about your frustration? It's like, because all we want as people is an ounce of empathy. We want to be heard. We want to be acknowledged. We want to be seen. To go right to the let's do something, let's fix something, jumps right over the very human aspect of the encounter. I totally agree with you, Nikki. I can understand why people do that jump, though, because you know either there's huge pressure on their role or on the organization to get stuff done, or you know there's an intellectual challenge at play where they really want to pursue it. And I understand why. Right. But I guess what we're saying, and I think that's a really interesting point, because right. as I reflect back on my conversations in the past week or two, I think right. you can easily apply that idea of, look, let's just boil it down to some simple you know, exactly. human connection and human right. principles of empathy. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. So if that's been well, pressing that's... on my brain, it sounds like it was on yours. Well, it was, but without sort of <laughs> reflecting on this, I appreciate well, that. Well, I'm <laughs> a reflective partner, obviously. <laughs> uh, <laughs> shall we get into our, our yes. continuation of our, our second yes. chapter of the framework of willingness to commit to self-development which we have described in well the first three categories in a previous episode and then the the kind of outline of the framework on an episode before that so today we want to continue by talking about three more of these categories and so just to remind listeners, we have a, a spectrum here of low willingness to commit to self-development on one end of the spectrum and a high willingness to commit to self-development on the other end of the spectrum. And we have placed categories along this spectrum. And we've created these eight categories based on the hundreds of executives who have appeared in front of us um, as coachees. And as we coach them, we start to try and wonder the extent to which they will benefit from this coaching experience. 
So last episode, we focused on the lower end of the spectrum. This time, we're going to focus on the middle end of the spectrum. So there are three categories here. Or maybe I'll kick off with the first steady. The, the okay. first one we're calling steady. Just chip in, Mickey. So I will. this is the fourth category along the spectrum, and we're calling it steady. So these are individuals who come in front of us. They're quite keen to be there. They're pleased to be there. They're pleased to be recognized by their organization as a talent to be invested in. Not an extensive learner, I would say. You know, people who you have some self-awareness and will gain you know, a couple of new tools or a couple of new insights, for sure. You know, they'll kind of stick to the minimum task as part of the coaching work we do together. They won't go above and beyond or extend themselves too much. But you know, very steady, I would say, as the title said. What would you add to that? Right. So to remind our listeners, we're in the category of folks who we think probably will benefit from the coaching experience, depending on how much they personally invest. So it could go either way. So with the steady people, as you mentioned, they may only invest the minimum. They will show up for their appointments. They're good about that. But how much they'll reveal in the conversation or how much material they'll put on the table, you know, I was in this meeting or I have to go into this meeting and this is what usually happens. How much they reveal to us is spotty. There are also folks. Actually, who... can I jump in there, Nikki? Sure. Yeah, I just think that's a quite a good way of categorizing it, actually, because I think of this group as sort of intellectually benefiting from coaching, <laughs> but they don't sort of emotionally get into it. That's a good distinction. Like. Yeah. Would you say that? That's yeah. a really good distinction because I view these people as very task focused. You know, like in the our mm. introductory comments, they'd rather be just working at their desk, in their teams, just getting shit done. And so the idea of going into this more emotive space is mm. kind of not high on their radar or preferences. And so it may or may not catch fire for them because the kinds of questions we probe on are like, well, how'd you feel when that happened? You know, and again, you know, minimalist answers. So for yes. them... The kind of stuff like you that you were referencing, the kind of tools that they would take from it. It would be something simple like, well, one suggestion that we usually give for people who find that two or three people dominate the conversation, you're having trouble with that, is to, you know, make everybody in turn say something. And for them, that's revelatory. Right. <laughs> and they will yes. start to use it. Yeah, exactly. Or another one, it might be the open-ended question. Something straightforward as a habit you can build. Right. And it'll make you more productive at work with your team. So yeah, I totally right. agree with that. Right. And so I would say with these folks that once they grab hold of that tool, they're really compliant afterwards. They use it to death afterwards and they like it. So these folks we're calling steady. And to reinforce, which I forgot to do at the beginning of the conversation, which you just said, we're talking about the middle section here of of our framework. And this section we've grouped together into a probably category. In other mm -hmm. words, right. who should you as a head of HR or talent invest in when it comes to executive coaching? There are three categories here that are in the probably group. Right. The previous episode, there were three categories, resistor, uninterested and unconscious, where maybe not, maybe you shouldn't invest in that. Right. Okay. So here we are with the three categories of probably. We've done steady. The next one along on the spectrum, Nikki, is reluctant. Right. And we've placed that further along the spectrum towards the higher willingness to commit right. to self-development beyond steady. Could you explain why that is? 
So to be candid with our listeners, we didn't have this category when we were first crafting the model. And we came to add it afterwards because we realized that there's a group of folks that we encounter who we might initially have put in this more resistant category, not as aggressive as we describe the resistors, but say more uninterested even, where they show up, but you know they're not really benefiting from it. They're not really opening up. But we realized that with this group of reluctant folks, that's actually not what's happening. That what's happening with this group is that they actually have low trust about the process and the organization's intention writ large. And so they're quite mm. wary. These are the folks that ask us a million and nine questions up front. Are you talking to my boss? Is this, you know, going to be used for something? So it comes out as suspicion and kind of a contracted way of entering the conversation to ensure that this is on the up and up and they're not going to be harmed by it. So they don't want to reveal anything yes. that they think might get used against them. So this is a really different category. So they don't necessarily see it as this is a benefit where we're trying to develop you. What we're not saying anything about in this category is, do we initially see a willingness to grow or a self-awareness? They're not revealing any of this up front. So even we as coaches don't even see it unless that moment of trust occurs. And so, again, I think safety. total safety. And again, I think initially we were grouping these folks at the lower end of the spectrum. And instead, we put them here in a separate category because in our experience, and I have a lot of examples of women, people of color, mm-hmm. sometimes it's, you know, a person isn't sure, are they on the cusp of being promoted, not promoted? But it is really frequently a lot of women and people of color who really need a lot of information from us up front about confidentiality, privacy, safety. So so what we'd say there is, well, uh, let me ask you, is what we are saying there about minorities in a culture which they are not yet trusting of? Correct. And so what happens is they're testing the waters. Mm. And the truth is when you are not in the dominant demographic in an organization, there is, call it a million different things, code switching, behaving as expected versus how you really are, having to suffer the slings of harassment and discrimination and all kinds of other things, and therefore the protective layers that get created as a result, and then you sit down in front of a coach, you're not going to automatically open up. So it is a rational response. It is not paranoia. It is completely rational. And my experience is that when they achieve an adequate level of trust, they benefit a great deal. The topics are different than what we will talk about with many of these other clients. It's like, how do I as a woman show up in this meeting where I'm the only woman in the room? You know, in these team meetings where the men are talking over me nonstop, how do I break into that without being labeled a bitch? How do I, as a black person, even though I'm seething inside, not get called the angry black person? You know, how do I unmask myself in a way that's productive, but still self-protective? So it's about navigating the system and trying to come into 
greater self-potential. So it's a unique category, I think. Mm. Good. Okay, thanks. So that was the fifth in our categories called reluctant. And the sixth, which we'll we'll finish with today, is the self-doubter. So we are moving along the spectrum here to a high willingness to commit to self-development. And self-doubters, we find, are pretty high along the spectrum. So to describe this category, a lot of the executive coaches that come in front of us, I think, fit into this category. There's a kind of high drive to improve, a high drive to grow, a very strong growth mindset, if you like, but held back by some lack of confidence. Right. And sources of that lack of confidence are many and varied, might go back many years, but we find that they are typically, while being held back, are really keen to grow and find a way to overcome this lack of self-confidence. And the lack of self-confidence may be small, it may be large, but not so important for this conversation that, that they're still in this category of, am I good enough to do this? You know, imposter syndrome again here. Mm-hmm. Should I be here? You know, am I good enough to right. be sitting at this table? What are others seeing in me that am I seeing in myself? So really key category for me. And, and I certainly have a lot of these folks, right? but very hungry to learn, hungry to find insights into how they can lead teams and show up in a in a very effective way. And in my experience, Nikki, they're nearly all very effective people already, <laughs> you know, but... They just don't feel it. They just don't feel it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know that you see a lot of folks like this. I see it too. It, again, in some of my meanderings, I feel like some of these organizational cultures, in some ways, I don't think intentionally, but these standards in an organization keep some of that self-doubt alive, that um, um, whether it's internal competition, whether it's sort of standards of perfectionism, you know, how many organizations for real, for real, say it's okay to make mistakes, you know, I mean, live that they say it, but they don't really live it. And so therefore, there's the this worry, like, oh, my God, I'm going to screw up. Mm. And so there's kind of a hypervigilance for some of these folks. And that just creates a tremendous amount of self doubt and anxiety and, you know, things that are a waste of time, really psychologically. Mm. Do you find that there's a unique thrust to the conversations that you have with those folks that's different than some of these other categories? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the overall, obviously, we've said this before, Nikki, the context they're in is the starting place and is key. And the life they've come from is key because it'll explain a lot. But I mean, I must say that I think there are a number of, when I have coaches who do exhibit self-doubt, they can be both male and female. Mm-hmm. I do find a, probably a small majority of female. I, I wouldn't say it was a large number, but I think if I was going to think about and reflect on it, I think there are probably a few more female than male. If they're older, in their mid-30s to 40 and older, they're very rarely male. They just Males just cover it up. You know, right. so pretend right. it's not there in my experience of that right. age. Right. Um, but at younger ages, then I think males are prepared to reveal it a bit. Are really a, a lot of the conversations in the context of leading and leading teams are, are about being confident and showing up as confident. And, and how do you do that? How do you develop confidence? Right. Uh, so is that the same for you? Yes. And, and I agree with your assessment that I think culturally women are have internalized 
this need to tick off every single box before they will take a risk, you know, mm. feel confident, etc. Where men, as you say, it's a sense of denial and a cover up and everything, but that men will charge ahead anyway, in spite of self doubt. Mm. And you know, I don't know that the results are any better or worse for women. But the conversations, I agree with you, it's around self confidence and helping these folks just push that boulder out of the path, out of their own path. Yeah. And yeah. helping them to reflect on it's not a useful tape in their brains to keep playing over and over mm. again. So I frequently am like, let's just switch the tape out, you know. Mm. And you know, as some of the confidence building stuff. So I think that Excellent. these three so, categories we would else? agree between steady, reluctant self doubters that it's progressively moving up the scale to people who really, really benefit from the coaching experience. Mm -hmm. And I think that what we would say is that it comes back to the individual who's the coachee. To what degree are they willing to reflect and grow and change? Yes, absolutely. So great conversation, Nikki. We ask listeners to visualize this scale from low to high and the eight categories along it. And the other three we've talked about today are, are in the sort of middle of the steady, reluctant self-doubter. And on our website, we actually have actual visuals of these, yes, actual of these categories. So themessytruthleadership.com. So there's more detail and more descriptions there of these categories. And on the next episode, we'll talk about the final two of the eight, uh, which we would put in the group of, yes, definitely, these, yes. these two will benefit from right. executive coaching. Sounds great. Great. Lovely to talk to you. And uh, we'll talk next time about those two. All right. Great. Take care. Bye.